be reading from Philippians first chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will help us now to spend some time in your word, seeing Jesus, being transformed by him, not just for our salvation, but in relating to each other in humility. Amen. Now, how should the mindset of a Christian be, is my question for you to start off with. What should the attitude, the mindset be like? See, the mindset of many different types of people in their roles and what they do means that they think about things differently. See, the mindset of a CEO or a businessman isn't in that role to be kind to another company. You don't hear the CEO of Coke saying, hey, we've had a good year this year, so let's just hold back a little bit and share with Pepsi. They need to do everything they can. Their mindset is to get as much money as they can for their company. What's the mindset of a surgeon? The mindset of a surgeon is, I do this perfectly well. What's at stake? I need to do it perfectly well. And so we often hear the talk of the God complex of surgeons who are amazing in what they do because they have to get it right every time. What's the mindset of a politician? You didn't hear any... Have you ever heard a politician say, we're good, but they're better? No. No, you don't. Even when they lose, they try and say without really saying it, we did a great job and you guys got it wrong when you voted. What about the mindset of a sportsman? There's some classic ones. The mindset of a sportsman, ultimately, the upper echelon, it's very hard to find a sportsman that's not all about themselves and arrogant. There's some great ones out there. Can anyone remember who Maurice Green was? Yeah? He was an Olympic runner. He was a world champion for a long time. And when he broke the world record, he got a tattoo... Goat, greatest of all time. I don't think you're the greatest of all time if you think you're going to put goat on yourself, but that's, that's uh, Maurice. Le- LeBron James, the, the, you know, regarded as one of the greatest basketballs of all time, has said, 
It's a personal treat for my family to watch me play basketball because I am so good, even they get excited about me. <laughs> what should the mindset of a Christian be? It's to be like Jesus. Philippians 2, chapter 5, highlights that for us. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. In my NIV, uh, the 2011 version, it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Mindset, attitude, the way you think. The way you think about it. The way you think about life with each other is to think about the way Jesus is with us. What is this attitude? What is this attitude? It's to be holy, as you were thinking about last week. It's to be separate and like God. And here, as we narrow in on it, we see it's humility. Have a look at... um, the beginning of chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, LeBron. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. It's humility. In that context, he says then, look at Jesus. Your attitude, your mindset is Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try and understand humility. My goal for you today is that you think about your life... And how humble you are. And where you can grow in humility. You see, humility is being all about the other. It's not about yourself. That's what Jesus, we see, is like. It's not to build yourself up. So if you're not a Christian today... What I hope you, hope you can see and ponder is that this is the way a Christian should think. Whether that's your experience of Christians or not, this is how we should be. And that would be great for you to consider. But you can't actually be humble like this unless you encounter and turn to the God who has made you humble through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you love Jesus what our goal should be and what we're going to think about today is that until glory, until heaven, until eternity, we need to constantly be renewing and recognizing that we're very far from the humility of Jesus and grow more to be like him. So let me ask you, would you consider yourself to be a humble person? If in your mind you said, yes, I'm very humble, actually, Michael, if you want me now, I can come up and tell you why I'm really humble. I might suggest 
kindly that maybe you're a little bit more inclined to the mortal enemy of humility, pride. The antithesis of humility is pride. And God hates it when we're proud. That's just not me guessing what God thinks. In James 4, he opposes the proud. In Proverbs 8.13, I hate pride and arrogance. See, pride is when sinful humans desire the status, the position of God and refuse to acknowledge their dependence upon him. It's a flipping it around. And it can raise its heads, though, not in that very obvious way. It can raise its ugly head in many guises. But the end is the same. Self-honouring, praise and glorification. So what we do, if we want to grow with, uh, into Christ-likeness together, we need to start with acknowledging our pride and see what God has done to change us. You see, God... God wants us not to be full of pride and hate and envy and want to be him instead of him being God. And we need to acknowledge that we do fall short and that what we call sin, our pride, means that we have a problem. And what changes this around is actually what is also the model for how we live together. You see, what saves us is our model for living You see, the first thing that we're going to look at today is a humility that saves us. And the second thing we're going to look at is that how this humility that saves us transforms the way we relate to each other. You can't be a humble, transformed person if the humility of God has not saved you. You see... As we build ourselves up, Jesus lowers himself to be a servant. There's a reversal that saves. Have a look at verses 6 to 11 of Philippians. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We see here the Lord of all thinking, I am going to step down. I am going to step down and lower myself to be one of my creation, a human. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of us. As John says, the word became flesh. That we'll see in a couple of weeks. But not only is that humbling enough, that the one who is behind all things and the sustainer of all things, the creator and Lord of all, He dies. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
he, he's lowered himself enough to be one of, his, one of us, so he can relate to us. But then he comes and he dies in our place. Complete, perfect obedience. We spend our whole time trying to build ourselves up and let's face it, LeBron and Maurice, they're just public figures, but we do that in our own lives in some ways. We're building ourselves up and here is the Lord of all humbling himself on a cross. Not just a death, on a cross, the most despicable place where the criminals go. There he is in our place. Jesus, before he went to the cross, reminds us of this attitude and the, the washing of uh, his disciples' feet in John 13. In, in John 13, we read, uh, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, uh, the, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God. And was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. See, Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. Who does that? Jesus doesn't wash their feet and then go out and say, Hey guys, I've come, I'm the Messiah, I wash their feet. It's not what you do to seek praise and honour and glory. It's an act of humbling yourself. It's an act of honouring that person. We have been honoured far more than just the washing of the feet. We have been honoured with a very relationship with God into all eternity by his obedient death on a cross. So we contrast that with, did you see what I did today? Did you see how great I am playing uh, my instruments at church? Did you see how great I was at work this week and I achieved all these great things and I'm really, really good at that and they're not that great at it and I'm really good and let me tell you, What a contrast. Jesus died to take away your pride. You see, the response is to be humble. You see, back in uh, Philippians, in verses 9 to 11, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the response. And you know what? Whatever your attitude to Jesus is, that is going to be your response. You will respond either in a humble way or in a proud way. The humble way is to willingly acknowledge that you're full of pride and Jesus died for you. The proud way 
is to refuse to accept that, to never acknowledge Jesus as Lord, to never acknowledge that he lowered himself but actually is the Lord of all. And then at the end, you'll be forced to bow and be rejected by him. The humble way or the proud way is the response that needs to take place. And the humble way loses its humility if you think, look at me, how humble I am to say Jesus is Lord and he's the king of all. The humble way is to say, I don't deserve this. The humble way to become a Christian is to take that first moment of humility before God. To say to God, it's all about you and not me. Even though my life is full of attempts to raise myself up, I fall on my knees, bewildered and amazed and thankful of your grace that you would die for me. All I can do in response is call you Lord and trust in you. That is what all of us need to do. Humbly submit to the Lord of all, acknowledging he has done it all for us. Do you need to take that first humble step today? Go before God and say, right now, Lord, I realize you've done everything for me. Your death is satisfactory I need to bring my pride before you. And know that the Lord of all is in the highest place, gives you life with him forever. It's a great thing. Humility means we come before God in our brokenness, acknowledging We completely need him. But the humble Christian doesn't just take humility there so they can be saved and live with God forever. That we do. But we take the words of Philippians and the scriptures and see our life is then wanting to express that continuously. Not to earn favour, but so that we can grow in the way God wants us to like Jesus, to have Jesus' attitude and mindset as 2.5 says. We want to think that way. And so I want us to consider this in how we live, how we grow. See, in Philippians 2, you do everything not out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. You see... Consider, did Jesus need to die to have any glory? See, he gets exalted into the highest place, but is he already Lord of all? And of course he is. Go through the Gospels and find vanity on Jesus. And you will come up empty. He had glory already and he left it for us. Not so he looks great, but so you and I can be included in the eternal kingdom. 
And this model means we value others more than ourselves. That's what we do. See, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is not, just as a little side point, this is not to say you're to have low self-esteem about yourself and to hate yourself and to, and to go into that. It's, we're not talking about the negative of ourselves. We're talking about building up others. Not trying to make us better than other people. It's hard. Does anyone want to say that that's an easy thing to do? Really? I don't think we can. Sometimes under certain conditions, in an area that may be suited to us, we're pretty good at it on occasion. But our whole life, being humble like Jesus, is hard. Do you actually care about others right now ask yourself when have I put other, others concerns before me can you think of times do you struggle with this so much that you realise you need a complete overhaul consider how much Jesus gave up to become a servant In eternal glory, perfect relationship with himself. Perfectly holy. And then consider how much the Lord of all gave up to be obedient to death on a cross. The next book in the Bible in Philippians, after Philippians is Colossians. And we know in Colossians, that great section in chapter 1 about the supremacy of Jesus. How mighty and great he is. How he was there at creation. How he is the one who is behind all things. And he's on a filthy, dirty cross. Consider, is there plenty of room of growth for you? Consider Jesus at the feet of his disciples. Where is your place where you're at the feet of others? Jesus made himself nothing for us. How can we not have this same attitude? And I reckon if we do continue to grow in this direction, have this as a priority, we see our community is full of joy, like-mindedness, unity, love. That's what we want. That's what we want for TNE. That's the type of people we are. And if we just say, yeah, humility is one of those things we do as Christians, we're missing the point. Humility is who we are. See, humility redefines how we view a successful life. And I reckon this is hard because, yeah, I know being great is to be a servant and to be humble, but don't we still want to be really, really successful at stuff? And it's good to be successful in the endeavours we do, is to work hard and to achieve well. But it's not about seeking praise, 
A successful life is not about popularity. It's not about worldly blessings, even the good things that God gives us. It's not about happiness and pleasure. It's not about the success in the workplace. It's humbling yourself before God and serving each other. That's a successful life. And as we finish today, I want us to think about four ways to cultivate this humility. Four ways to take away. The first one is reflect on the majesty of the cross. When you forget the cross, you become less humble. I reckon it's that simple. When you forget how much Jesus gave up for you, you forget to give up for others. That's what we need to keep coming back to. If you're one of those people who sometimes gets frustrated in hearing the same thing over and over and over again, it's actually because you need it so you don't lose focus. Reflect on the majesty of the cross of Jesus. The second one is, how do you end and begin your day? Do you wake up and acknowledge God and depend upon him and be thankful for him? Do you have the attitude when you wake up in the morning that you're not in charge? Or do you just get straight into it? Right, what have we got to do today? I've got to get the kids ready for school. I've got to get to work. I'm going to have a great day at work. Or I'm going to do all these things remembering God is in charge. Do you acknowledge you don't have all the answers? Do you spend time relating to God? The spiritual disciplines of prayer and reading your Bible... Do you put God's humility in your face at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day? Can you spend your travel time recalibrating where your success lies in Jesus? Do you bring what troubles you to God? Do you, at the end of the day, say, God, whatever's happened, you're the Lord of all and I give you glory? Ask yourself, how do you end and begin your day? Actually, spend some time today thinking about what happens in the first moments when you wake up and the last moments when you go to bed. The third one is, welcome and look for correction. We're so often kind of maybe doing well in our godliness and in our humility until it gets pointed out to us something that maybe needs to be sorted out. But if we actually want to acknowledge that we've done something wrong, what we're actually saying is, I don't have all the answers. I do need others and I'm not perfect. And I reckon the key to that is to not let our insecurities get in the way. We all have them in different areas of our life. And we should should work hard at being humble in not not getting angry and arching up our back when we need to be corrected. The fourth one, respond humbly to heartache and trials. We groan when we don't know what to say and the Spirit intercedes for us. There's nothing more humbling then with tears you say to God, I don't understand, but you're Lord. I'm hurting beyond words 
but you are Lord and I have nothing but to come to you. We can say to God, I don't get it. But you are Lord. That's being humble. Sometimes we have trials that are just our life, that they're not going to go away. Maybe humility is to take that chip off your shoulder and put it aside. It's not to let the things that are burdening you always bring up to everyone else, to blame everyone else for it, to say, well, at least you can do that, I can't do that. Or whatever is your struggle in the crisis moments, in the daily grind of life. Humbly coming before God, asking for help, sometimes saying we don't understand. Instead of blaming, we seek him, acknowledge our need for forgiveness and faithfully serve. That's what the attitude of Jesus is all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so hard sometimes And right now, as your people, we want to say sorry when we are not humble. We are so thankful that you sent your son to be humble on a cross for us, to take away all our pride. We get it so wrong. And you get it so right. Father, help us, your people here at TNE, take to heart the attitude of Jesus to be a humble people. We thank you for life we have in him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.